Welcome along to today's episode of the Left Wing Back Podcast. On today's show, we are going to look back on Carlo's win over Mead in round two of the National Hurling League. We'll hear very briefly from Conor Keogh and John Michael Nolan, both among the goal scorers. They now look forward to a clash with Leash in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, speaking of clashes with Leash, the Carlo Senior footballers are involved on Saturday in round three of the National League away to Leash in Amora Park at six o'clock. It's a Mountwater encounter. It has been for some time. And we thought, well, what better place man to talk about it than our very own Mick Keogh, who's been involved at various grades and levels with county teams in Leash and indeed with club teams and would have seen a lot of the current crop actually in Carlo CBS. So we'll have a chat with Mick in just a few minutes' time. But before we do that, we just want to give a shout out once again to our sponsors. Without this, it would not be possible. That, of course, is PFT Travel, Art Spas, Porrit Dunn Motors, Ray Whelan Limited, Murray's Bar, Ballon Murphy, Detail Men's or Carlo, and Pat O'Hearn Photography. We want to give a shout out to as well, who always takes top class photos. Tomas Walsh, not too shabby at it either, mind you, and he caught us rotten the other day. So, um, you know, well done to Pat and Tomas, who braved the elements constantly for uh, giving us the shots that. You know, very much um, create memories, I suppose, and, and, and long-lasting ones at that. If you don't want to partner with us, um, just give us a shout, leftwingbackpodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM. It's very cheap and it helps us keep the show on the road. So we're going to have a chat very shortly here now with Mick Keogh, but first we're going to hear from Conor Keogh and John Michael Nolan. Conor Keogh, job done. Two from two, we must be happy. Yeah, job done, yeah. Look, we knew yeah, challenge there. Need a bit of momentum there to beat you there last again, but thank you. Look, we just looked over the lead there in the end. Yeah, I suppose during the second half there was a slack period. Everyone would have a proper patch of course, but you know, goals came at the right time. You got one of those, and um, that gave Carlo a bit of a, a pep in their step again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, we came out there last time, six stars, second half, then me kind of got a bit of a foothold. The stars kind of get a bit of a foothold. Lucky enough, then we kind of brought it back then. Look at our main focus now, we'll be trying to put together a good 70 minutes, like you know. A couple of tough matches get coming up there, and uh, we won't get away with, with, with dropping the, dropping the focus uh, for any stage at all. So yeah. that's the main focus at the minute. Try to get seventy minutes. And to be fair to me, this was the competitor from the World Cup. Did a great win last week against Kildare. You know, you can see the road for it, and then you got a bit of a football in the game, pushed on to half time. But you know, anything you play, mate, you're going to get a back, I suppose. And, and he, he showed your work there in the end. Yeah, exactly. Look, we were probably fairly lucky there in the first half. So it was a good breeze there for the first for the first part of the first half, and it might have died off a small bit there. But um, yeah, no, me or good opponents there to see there today. Yeah, you're enjoying it in general. Yeah, enjoying it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Lifestyle chases, boys, and you don't want it, you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Look, it's, it's, this is this this is uh, this is what we want to be doing. Like as young lads, this is all always what we wanted to do. And look at Thank God, in the summer now we have big teams coming to Dr. Pullen and. It's always a positive. Big, big, big days ahead. Big, big of course. Days I think ahead, exactly. it's uh, is it leash now in a couple of weeks? Leash now in a couple of weeks, yeah. And they'll bring another challenge again, another step up. Look at we didn't put too much focus on them yet, but for the next two weeks now that's that'll be our main focus. So we're just building the next game, but the next game and we can keep building performance after performance now we won't be going too bad. Very well done again and thanks for talking. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks a minute. So Michael Nolan, that's two wins from two. You're a happy man. Ah yeah, look, um, so down, I suppose last week down in Kerry, the main thing was going down to get a win and it kind of took the pressure off. Um, but today, yeah, it was nice that that, that me team brought a lot actually. Um, and uh, they were on high, baby, after last year or last week beating Kerry or Clare. So um, look, it was nice to get the win today and it was it was hard fought, to be honest. Yeah, and, uh, and they set the tone from the get go that they weren't going to push around the place. Like it was about 20 minutes, I'd say, before you got a bit of a foothold, was it? Oh, Hopefully. yeah, oh no, definitely. Just, this, this league, like, there's all the teams are good, any, all teams can be any team on the day, like, you know, and we know that coming into it. And in fairness to them, they started well after the travel down and all. 
But um, yeah, look, uh, 20 minutes in, as you said, we kind of got a little bit of a foothold into it and um, we pushed on from there. I suppose the last, the, the second half, kind of, especially when we down 40 men, was more about game management then, you know. But um, look, we managed to keep them to 10, 12, 10, 12 points ahead. Yeah. So, happy enough. Nice to get another goal. Uh, yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't come that often to me, but um, look, I said the run was on, I said I'd go for it. And, Look, you love most if it was anyone else. I don't know if the ball was been as good, but most put on the play for me in fairness. Yeah, so, he's, he's uh, can, he can still do that every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> so happy enough with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, in, in general, I mean, you're forgiving some service now, boy. But um, you're not slowing down. But you've had your difficulties. What ways the back and stuff? Ah, uh, uh, look, it's it's manageable at the minute. Like um, it's actually kind of sore at the minute. The, the heavier ground kind of does a job in the back for me. But mm. um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm able to manage it at the minute, and it's not in game time itself. It's not affecting me so. I'll stay going as long as as long as the body will allow me as well. That's it, so, that's it. And look, I was just saying at the corner, Keo, like it is it's a lifestyle. You either want to do it or you don't. And like you've been doing it for some time, so there's obviously yeah. something here that keeps you coming back. I love so, it. Like, to be honest, I love it. And like to be long enough, the way I look at it is, I'll be long enough that I can't do it. Yeah. So if I can, I will. And you know what I mean? Like it's great. It's great days out here in Carlo. You know, if I can mm. people, family, follow me around the country, watch me play and stuff like that. Like, I love it. Like you know. Yeah. And um, especially for the younger kids, like back at home in the clubs and the county and all. You know, it's great to get these likes of wins because it brings everything up, you know, especially last year with the zone we've done and all. Like, brought yeah. on the county, some serious underage calls, the whole lot. So, like, it's great to be a part of it and contribute to it, you know. Okay, so today you're going to hear a familiar voice on the Left Wing Back podcast. No, it's not mine. You're sick of hearing that. It is, of course, the, uh, what's it? I'm trying to think of the term now and I can't think of it. Irrepressible? Is that the one? Mick, you have a good um, good little thesaurus. Mick, you of course, is who we're talking about. You're very welcome, sir. I've been called worse, Kevin. I've been called worse. <laughs> mm. Well, thanks for joining us once more. Look, so obviously we're building up Mick to Carlo and Leash, and I was um, obviously, you know, racking the brain, and I don't have much of a one. But anyway, the little bit I have taught me that in all the people in around the Carlo Leash area, I can't think of a man more perfectly placed to actually talk about this rivalry, given your involvement in both counties in various different roles uh, over a vast amount of years. Um, and you can even bring it into the teaching. So in terms of CBS stuff, you would have got a lot of the great collection, credit yard yeah. lads in there, uh, and then involved with minor squads and different underage setups and so on and so forth over across the pond. And probably even giving out a few things here or leaving out a few things, I should say. But anyway, look, um, you're very welcome. Uh, can you just give us a bit of a flavour, if you don't mind, of your actual involvement over there? Because I'd say you don't even spend as much time in leash as you have in Carlo, have you, at this stage? Yeah, uh, a good bit. Yeah, would would have done a lot of years with with um, in Grey Cullen there in various different guises, from kind of a bit of injury uh, rehab type stuff to S and C type stuff, and I trained them for a couple of years in zero six and zero seven. They were very interesting times. Um, I worked a bit with Paul Beelan. Um, with this is all with Grey Cullen now, and even lots of underage stuff in that as well. Like it was a really really successful bunch that came through from Fela and that kind of thing, and won 14 16s and minors a's in leash that would have been james bolton and liam carney and all that kind of all that crew of lads paddy brannigan too lord of mercy i remember paddy that yeah. died a few years ago very sad Um, that's just to name but a few and then from a leash point of view i suppose minors for a couple of years seniors for a couple of years simultaneously with a bit of s and c with justin mcnulty and with tomaso flarda uh, and a little bit there under 21 as well at the time with uh, Pat Rowe. So, yeah, they have a good old handle enough on on, on things. Yeah, re- reasonable handle. Yeah. So I actually had kind of um, forgotten that you were with McNulty, <laughs> which actually mm. adds a little bit more value to this particular conversation and possibly a good place to start. Because, look, 
while we know what Carlo are doing over the, the past number of weeks, and it's great stuff, they're two wins from two, Leash are in the very same position. But if you look mm. at where they've come from over the past 12 months, I mean, they were pretty much in turmoil for a lot of last year. Now there's a sense of calm. There's obviously a little change in personnel, not a huge amount. But how responsible is Justin McNulty for that, and what exactly has he brought to Leash? Uh, well, I, I, I'll talk about Justin in a second. I think Leash made a very good start to the league last year under Billy Sheen as well, you know. I think, right, I think, actually, Leash yeah. made, I think they won their first three. And I, I think what's important to say about everybody in Division 4, the reason they're in Division 4 is generally because they're inconsistent, right? So, like, all the teams, on any given day, anybody can beat anybody in Division 4. And it's usually the reason why they're, they're in Division 4. You know, it's those teams in Division 2 and 3 that have that bit more consistency, that don't yo-yo around or bounce around as much. But anyway, come back to that. Justin McNulty, anyone that knows him, he's a really serious customer. Now, I get on great, I got on great with him. I haven't been talking to him in a good while now, obviously, but uh, very, very intense kind of guy. Typical what you'd expect of a, a South Dharma type man. Really kind of uh, definite and imposing. A very strong character. And he mightn't say very much, but when he does speak, you have to listen, you know. So you'd hear a pin drop now when Justin McNulty was talking. And I think he'd bring, he'd bring a very unifying kind of a thing. Like if, 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 if Justin says jump, how high? You know, he's that kind of character. But I think the role of Ross Munley there as well. Like uh, Ross Munley sure needs no introduction, but Ross and Justin, I think, would have been very good kind of uh, file for each other when they were there as player and coach previously, player and manager previously. I can see how that had worked very well now. Yeah. Well, look, I suppose when you're looking outwardly, all those hallmarks that you've described in McNulty, it does seem quite apparent. And it's good to hear, I suppose, having, you know, you haven't worked up close to them that that indeed is true, because that's exactly what I see at the minute. You know what I mean? You see that sort of character. We also see a reasonable and understanding and maybe an empathetic kind of character too. Are those things that you would have saw along with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, it's kind of like the Roy Keane thing, you know, this this one-dimensional sort of a tough guy type thing. So it's it's never the case. You, you, I think that works very, very short term. I think you're found out if you're one-dimensional like that. No, I found I found Justin that he wants what he wants. He's very definite in it. But sure, he's a reasonable person. And even from a from a career perspective as an MLA, like he's up there dealing with people, dealing with things like the Daisy Hill Hospital situation up in Uri and that kind of stuff. Like he's he's essentially a kind of a, a kind of a caring kind of a person. Like there's no doubt about that. Very, very honest and genuine. But he does not suffer fools. I'll promise you that. I wouldn't like going to him now with excuses. You know, fair enough, a genuine problem. There's no problem. But excuses, I think that'll wear out very quick. Yeah, it does not Washington. And of course, I suppose no. over that period of time, Mick, there was a couple of encounters with Carlo. What was the least dressing room like um, going into a game with Carlo? Because we all know the kind of so-called hoodoo that Leash seemed to have over Carlo and the importance that mm. Carlo people place on that game. Do they care half as much or is there much made of it from a Leash point of view? I'll be honest now, and again, I don't want to say anything that's too controversial or anything like that, and especially with a game coming up. But in my experience, uh, Leash, Leash don't really, really don't countenance losing to Carlo. They just, they just don't think, they think it'll be a battle and it'll be tough. And it's not that it'll be disrespectful, but they don't really think they'll lose to Carlo. They just have it in their head. 
whatever happens now, we will dig this out. And I suppose whether we like it or not, on on this side of the barrel, um, they're generally, you know, they generally do. Are we going back to two thousand and four or two thousand and three or something for our last win on a Bourne oh, Cup win? Yeah, a Bourne Cup or two. I think it was possibly on the year we won it. I think. And and I yeah. I, I think I think actually Pat Rowe was in charge, wasn't he? Another league. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've got to go to '88 before that. They beating them in the grounds uh, in the Leinster Championship, and then we followed up with a match to Dublin. I think. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. So, so like our victories are few and far between. And even during our most successful period there, when we got promotion, when we a Leinster semi-final against uh, Leash, etc. I think we played Leash four times during that period, and I think we actually only had the lead for maybe 10 or 15 minutes in all four games. So there definitely is something there that, and I think it's more pronounced on our side than it is on theirs. I don't think they think about it maybe as much as we do. Yeah. And that's the thing that I, you know, I mean, us supporters are obviously very, very, um, I suppose, raw over, over the past uh, 20 years. And like, I mean, not to take away from the Auburn Cup win or whatever, you know, we treat that, quite uh, seriously at the time and it was a big thing for Carl to win the Auburn Cup yeah. but I mean yeah. at the end of the day in terms of importance like it's definitely behind the league and behind the championship so if we're being realistic about this we're going back quite some time until the last real victory so yeah. I would nearly stand up and say even from my point of view having been born in 91 I was never lucky enough really to see Carlo beat Leash in a game of real importance so to speak mm. and I often wonder why that question is and it's a comparison that is generally made on the club scene with Collection and Greg Cullen, if you look at it down through yep. the years. And I, yep. I I can't quite put my finger on what it is, or if it is anything at all. Do you have any insight into what that particular hurdle may or may not be? Well, inside in the school and the CBS, and we've had some very successful teams over the years, as you know, and like the Leash lads will be brilliant. Brian Byrne, Trevor Collins. You know, you could pick out brilliant Leash players that have been in the CBS there and, and are still current players. But like they wouldn't be any certainly be any better than Jordan Morrissey or Shane O'Neill or Colin Hulton or Ross Dunfear. Pick out who you like. And even with club games, like a rogue would be playing in leash teams because of the proximity of it and everything. Like, like they don't lose too many, do you know? And and I think Radfilly the same, like Radfilly you play again. Like most Carlo teams play leash teams and challenges. Oh lock and over the credit yard is only a stone's throw, that kind of thing. So it is hard to put your finger on it. I don't know. It's it's that interesting thing in GEA of the effect of tradition and of culture and that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's very interesting. But we we often have close games, really competitive games. But it's just unfortunate that Leash come out the, the right side of it. But I, I think that exists to an extent as well with Leash and Offaly. Like I, I, I think Offaly would look at playing a Leash team the same way that maybe Leash would look at playing Carlo. I think. I don't know. I think there's yeah. something to that now. Yeah, yeah. And whatever it is, you know, even the best psychologists would struggle probably to, to maybe explain it to you. Uh, and the, the person that's involved from that point of view in a Carlo team that beats Leash will probably be paid a lot of money after it because they've broken yeah. a serious hoodoo, of course. But um, I suppose with this current Carlo team, we're looking back maybe 12 months, right? This is a, a long-term building project and a few players have come on board. But by and large, it's now a consistent panel and has yeah. been for quite some time and we're looking at these opening two performances and one thing that i have said about those is pace and the pace we have in the side one particular example of course of carlo unleashed last year was mikey bambrick's goal 
um, yeah. when, he, when he took in along the line and created so many more opportunities. So are we as good in terms of, or as we as, are we as well-placed now than ever to actually have a go at these lads? Or do you, like Manny, feel that last year, if we, geez, if we didn't vet them last year, well, what have we sort of a thing, you know? No, I think I think they're better placed this year, to be quite honest. I don't want to pile pressure onto them, but if you were Leash looking at shutting down Carlo, and they'll be doing their homework, of course they will, like they will any game, but you'd be doing well because there's a threat coming from Aaron Allen, from Colm Hulton, got four points the last day, he's a threat. And in actual fact, guys like Conor Crowley and Ross Dunphy, who, who are fellas you'd be thinking, listen, those are the fellas that are going to be the thorn in the opposition side. They haven't scored heavily yet. And so I, I think if they get their shooting boots on, I mean, Ross, if Ross Dunphy takes out, he's, he's good for a goal and three or four points. Um, John Peary has scored in both games. And there's been a really good spread of scores. Connor, Connor Doyle is chipping in. You know, Jordan Morrissey, superb talent. He hasn't been quite at his best yet. But I think the sight of a leash jersey is going to bring out the best in him as well. So, no, I, I think Carlo have a right chance. As long as they approach it, in the right psychological way and not get hung up on anything that we're talking about, like hoodoos, etc. Even though it's a real thing. But no, I give them a right chance. I give them yeah. a right chance, yeah. By all accounts, like you know, when when you mentioned the uh the McNulty South Armand Nordy type stuff, so to speak. And I don't like that term Nordy because it's often talked with uh, mm. with a derogatory sense to it, right? But we associate it with probably packing out a defense. I believe Leash that isn't quite the case with the way have they have been going about their business. So far, I don't know how likely that is to change on Saturday. But if that is the case, Mick, it certainly makes for an interesting contest because, you know, the way Carlo are now playing is very easy on the eye and very attractive. So I think regardless of the outcome, we possibly could be looking at a really, really good game of football. Uh, totally. And I, I, you're right on all those fronts. If, if Leash, and sure, like any team at any stage is going to pack their defence, like, I mean, it's just one of those things, you'll, you'll end up going into your shell a little bit, the other crowd has possession, etc. But if, if, if that is the case, that's when Mikey Bambrick coming forward, Colm Hulton, uh, Dara Kern, etc. That's when those guys coming forward and hopefully committing their men, taking them on, pick a shoulder and go. And even though, like, He's a superb player, Mark Timmons. Like, Mark owes Leash and Greg Cullen in particular nothing. He's been an ever-present there since about maybe 2006 or seven with Leash as well. Unbelievable career. But he's there that long. And, like, Mark isn't as good an athlete as he was. That's only obvious. I'm not, I'm not at all picking, picking at him there. But um, come, go at them. Absolutely go at them. And more Park, this thing about pitches being big or small, generally pitches are fairly close to the same size, but it's the feel of them. It's how they play. And Amor Park has the feel of being a, a kind of a big field, you know. So so from that so 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 from that perspective, now that's true at the far end as well, because Evan O'Carroll there, like at uh, he's leading the line, you know, he's up there. That chap Damon Larkin from Port Leash, he's been getting scores. And for a man you'd know well and I'd know well, Connor Heffernan, like he's a gazelle. So it's 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 both ways. But mm -hmm. Leash conceded. Leash conceded two goals the first day out. I think didn't they? Against Longford. Uh, yeah. Against against Longford. Now they scored heavily, but they conceded a couple of goals. Two seven, I think overall. Two six, mm -hmm. two seven. And Wexford they won convincingly in Wexford, but Wexford still got twelve or thirteen points or twelve or thirteen scores. And Carlo have scored well, albeit I know a different opposition. 
But to score 310 to get 19 points in Tipperary was good going by any measure. And they really could have had more than the, what did they score against Waterford? 117, I think, wasn't it, in a round? Yeah. Well, so so they've, they've scored, so 117, 20 points, 310, 19 points. Like, Carlo are scoring heavily as well, and there's a good spread of scores. Like, there's not, there's no one particular threat. It isn't falling on Dara Foley's shoulders all the time. So I'm, I'm hopeful in that regard. Uh, it should be a great game. It should be great. Yeah, and look, these names are, are, are popping up. We've mentioned Mikey Barmerick's name. It's only in the last couple of years at senior county level that that name is becoming something, all of us laugh. Uh, yeah, but we know player. he's been quite a talent for quite some time in a lot brilliant of different player. sports. But equally, by the same measure, if we're to look uh, across the pond, as I keep saying, and it's not someone actually from, from the areas that we'd be more familiar with, but there's big talk of Sean Fitzpatrick at Bally Rowan, and they've done super things at underage level mm. over the last couple of years. Kevin Swain, likewise. So this new breed of players coming along yeah. have added something to it. And, you know, in many respects, like I think from both sides' point of view, if there's someone there that hasn't been to a Carlo or a Leash game, for that matter, over the past couple of years, well, what better time to go and look at it and see these guys and see how good they are and see what sort of a class we can have, you know? Yeah, well, a couple of things to say on that. Kevin Swain was actually in the CBS this year uh, as part of his uh, GEA coaching and management course, and he was in coaching lads in the CBS, right? Uh, like, I can just tell you, we are very, very intertwined. Unbelievably. Ma- mm. no, unbelievably. Like, um, like Carlo have two representatives as part of the management uh, in, in uh, Leash there currently as well, between a bit of physio support and uh, a, a, a man well known to the show here as well. You'll be talking to him maybe at some stage, James Clark. But um, we, we are unbelievably linked. You know, it's, it's, we are neighbouring counties and so there's fierce crossover in it. Um, you, you mentioned, other guys you mentioned, they're kind of more kind of unsung type heroes. Like I'd know an awful lot of these lads from underage in Leash as well. Guys like Brian Daly on the panel, um, Aaron, Aaron Cooney there, uh, who's a, a very competent backup goalkeeper. There's, there's, there's fierce overlap. But Mikey Bambrick, to go back to him, w- what a brilliant player. I mean, I think his battle with Evan O'Carroll is going to be key. He's going to have to do his marking job or Mark Fury or whoever it is at different stages picking up. But Mikey going forward, and it was actually in Port Leash last year that he scored that kind of Maradona goal where he ran through, wasn't it? Yeah, against Longford, yeah. yeah, yeah against yeah. Longford. And like, like he's a powerful runner. Uh, very pasty, but also very hard to shift. Once he get, gathers a bit of momentum, once he gets going, and I tell you, myself and my own young fella, depending on what's going on, sometimes we head over to the football field in Tinryland for a bit of practice, or sometimes we tip down to Milford for a bit of, it's, it's the same distance. We went in there one day and I was chatting to Mikey, he was down doing a bit of practice himself, and as we were going away, my young lad says to me, he's in shape, isn't he? Because, you know, he just, he, he does everything right, he's a, he's a great bit of stuff. Yeah, and look, we, we tried to have a chat with him there a couple of weeks ago. This podcast stuff is not for him, and like no. it just wouldn't be in him. Same with uh, his uncle's Pat and Jorah Hickey, and Jorah Hickey wouldn't say a word to you, but he would take your life on the field. Oh my God, like talk mm. about, in my opinion, one of the best club defenders in both codes that possibly, I don't know if he ever played county, and he was 100% good enough. By God, mm. was he was he a, a tough taskmaster, right? But you mentioned that particular battle, and I do think that's how it will transpire. I think he will go back mm-hmm. on Devon O'Carroll. The other battle, which I think might happen, um, is Ben, Dens- ben Dempsey and Ross Dunphy. I think he probably will pick him up with the pace point. You know, Ben Dempsey, again, um, I wouldn't compare him to Jared Hickey. Compare him to Jared Hickey in the sense that 
if he's stick tight, but he's a little bit more vocal as well. He's in your ear. He'll give you plenty of it, like. Mm. And uh, just the, those types of battles. So look, roll on Saturday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's just it's it's even the timing of scores and who gets the better start and who gets momentum at the right time, like. Uh, look, I, I love the league. I think the league is the best competition we have. And with all the talk that's going on about Stadia around the country and Don Logue is on the soapbox again about and everything else, I think these stadiums would make far more sense if we had our league competition as the priority in the good weather. You can still run cup competitions around it. But I mean, if this was May or early June and like there's, re- like, there's points on the line, and we're going to either Port Leash or up to the county grounds. Like it'd be brilliant, you know. I, I, and and like you'd, you'd have it every year. You'd, you'd, you'd plan around it, you know. But as it is, it's in February, and I'll still be going. But I think the swing voter, I think you probably get more of those in finer weather, you know. But anyway, yeah. that's a, that's that's often a tangent. Yeah, I was very surprised actually to see RT adopting that kind of conversation. It's usually shut down, and it's the one time I suppose where. I, I would actually defend Joanne Cantwell. I thought she actually let it go a little bit, and I don't think she's very good at that at times, just my opinion. Mm. Um, but she kept her mouth shut and she let the boys at it. And uh, whether it was uh, you know, an argument that you would agree with Don Logan or not, the separate argument is that that conversation was allowed to happen, and it was a throwback to yeah. a bygone era. Now it's just like, no, lads, we, just, we can't have this. But sure, that's why we tune in. We want, we want opinion. We want you know different views. And yeah. Let it well, on. Well, let it go. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be a I wouldn't be a huge fan of Don Logue most of the time. I think there's a terrible sort of a monster bias. The time he described all Sorans, is not how we described the Talton Cup. Yeah. As all yeah, Sorans. Yeah, yeah. So on, on one side he's talking about, you know, promoting the game and developing it, and at the same time then undermining counties that he thinks don't fit Cork's standards. Give me a break. I think Cork now are I think Cork get away with murder for the for the number of clubs, the size of the county. The fact that the city is a hotbed of GAA talent, unlike other places, I think Cork get away with murder. There's Kilkenny going down last night with lads making their debut, like 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 Luke Hogan, a great chap there from All Auckland's. Mm. Uh, none of their established, very few of their established stars, not playing great and still getting a win. I don't know, no. I, I think Donald needs to look closer to home, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a podcast another day on the likes of um of that man, and there's another fella there from the north who I'd love to chat to you about as well. <laughs> well, if you've not, I'm trying to adopt a new thing. If you've nothing good to say, say nothing. So I might have to stay off that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't belong with putting lads back in their box on Twitter, anyway. I give you that. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Look. Um, as much as I, we talk about Carl and all night, you also um double up as the Carlow Minor football manager, of course, and preparations mm. are obviously, you know, in full swing ahead of the first round of the Leinster Minor Football Championships. You're in a group with Wexford and Wicklow. You have Wexford first, I think it's on the 27th of March. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. In and the, it's a home game. Rounds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to us about that. I mean, this is year two for yourself, I think, as yeah. minor football boss. I know the experience you have and the involvement you had with Carlow Miners in a different capacity some time ago. But um, what's year two looking like, and what is preparation looking like? Um, well, like there's all sorts of challenges with it, and like the the minor grades are interesting, and so any underage grade is interesting insofar as so it's very often a brand new cohort coming in. You'll have an overlap of a few of guys that are good enough to be on a county panel two years in a row, but even that's going to become rarer, I think, because a fella at 16 has an extra year of maturity. 
So whenever it was at 18, under 18, you know, a fella was as really coming into himself at 16. If you're a two-year minor at under 17, like obviously that goes back a year to a 15-year-old. So it is probably going to become more the case that it really will be standalone years every year. Um, the competition is the same insofar as we had Wexford away last year and Wicklow home. And of course, this year then it looks like it's going to be Wexford up first in the county grounds and, and Wicklow away over in Ockram there. Um, there wasn't much in any of the games in those games last year. Um, Wexford got a great start against us last year. We came back into it well, but you're really chasing the game. So we ended up losing 110 to 117. Funny conditions too. Fog coming in on the pitch there in um, in Wexford Park. Not unusual there where it is. Um, and that made a kind of a, a, a funny kind of a game, but, but we can't complain about losing it. Versus Wicklow then, we really could have won the game. We went chasing a win. There was two points in it with um, two minutes to go. And we got suckered for two late goals, which put chasing the game, which put a different kind of gloss on it. We're working hard at it. We have been working hard. We're trying to accommodate schools. We're trying to accommodate as long as we could other sports because it's just these lads are sportsmen. We'll try to accommodate that. And you're always trying to accommodate the thing in Carlo as well, the um, dual player. And mm. that's that's really challenging too. But I think I think you have to do it. You have to. It's it's easy to say no one or the other. But to say to a 16-year-old, you're either a hurler or a footballer, I don't think it's fair. You know, I don't yeah. think it's fair. Yeah, and we touched on that before, and you said it's down to selfishness when people actually choose to say, well, you need to go and pick one. And not yeah. only that, I think, you know, I'm not just saying it because you're a regular on this or whatever. Jesus, there's enough lads that come on here as regulars and got a bit of a, a kick in the arse from time to time and get me a kick in the arse. So we're not really about that here on the podcast. But the fact that you've, you incorporate in not just hurling, but you take in other sports as well and realise that these guys are kids, that they are in the development phase, and you do encourage them to actually participate um, you know, in all these other sports. I think that's actually quite quite forward thinking. Um, the other thing I would like to, I suppose, add to it is, as a, a former average county minor myself for a year or two, um, I think it's quite striking now that you know it's actually parents that you're communicating with. And obviously the landscape of things have changed from when I was a minor 15 or 16 years ago. But we'd always be in contact. It was Morris Power was at the time, so I was in contact with him directly or Joe Nolan, who was a selector, or whoever the it was at the time. But now, given the age, that's dropped back a bit. You are literally yeah. dealing with kids, so that's not a possibility. So in the unlikely, or well, in the, oh, sorry, the unfortunate event that something may have happened for whatever reason, whether it's someone being not dropped, but just, you know, for now not part of the panel, or whatever the case may be, that you have to go and contact the parent. I mean, that struck me straight away. I was like, Jesus, things have changed massively. Yeah. Well, for anyone, uh, the, the way we work it is, is that we'd have an extended panel all the way uh, up until the end of January. And it's the end of January is when you have to make a call because you simply can't. It's not practical at all to have huge panels. It's not, it's not viable in any sense. Uh, we, we decided that, like uh, we agreed, the only right thing to do was that you would make a phone call to a parent. It can't be done via text. Number one, a text doesn't take into account uh, particular nuances of what you're saying. Like, obviously, something written in a text can read very differently depending on how the other person infers it. So it's definitely a phone call. And generally speaking, once you're honest with people, uh, once you're clear with them, you keep fastidious records, you're able to say to them, listen, here's... Here's reasons for this. Generally, you don't encounter a problem because people understand that we all want the same thing. And I think when people are rational about that, 
when they're it's even emotional for all of us but i think when you're rational about it and you have genuine good reasons for it which you do you see if you're questioning somebody's reason for 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 picking or not picking a player you're essentially questioning their integrity right and i i don't know like anyone that i've encountered in that sense i i I don't think people I think people get a sense of whether you have integrity or not. Most people in these in these roles do. And I think people respond to it fairly well. That's good. I, I like that. It's it's very it's very important. Those things that you just touched on are very important because you can only read so much there's, from a text or an email. Yeah. Right? And there's also go on. Go on. No, but there's all, there's also the bigger picture of yeah, everybody like being a county minor is like you've mentioned it, it's something that you remember from 15 16 years ago right it's something that you remember and take with you but it is only the start of it like i'll give you a, for instance uh, when you mentioned about mikey bambrick mikey didn't play a minor do you know we really wanted him but he had all sorts going on in the life and he's studious chap and he had other things going on and everything she would have loved to have had him but mikey didn't play a minor look at him now hmm. you know like a superb player an argument to say he's the best in the county right brilliant player um so, like the long term, things take twists and turns, and a fellow that's a star minor, like how often does a star minor go on to be a star senior? It's more often than not that it goes the other way. Now, again, there are exceptions: Jordan Morrissey, Connor Doyle, etc. Mm. But so, look, you have to take the long term, bigger picture. And when you mentioned other sports, right? I don't know. I think sometimes guys want to be kind of a little bit dictatorial to say you're doing this or forget it. You would try and accommodate because. A fella's been playing another sport for the last six months and it's just coming to the end of, of that particular competition. Sure, you like to try and facilitate them and say, yes, see that out, as opposed to telling them to drop it. What message mm. are you sending? You know, when, when, whenever the time is right, dump that. I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. Well, look, I mean, some people would say it takes a pair of balls to pick up the phone and ring a parent. But other people would say, well, actually, no, that's, that's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? And at the same time, it's not an easy thing to do because effectively, in a roundabout way, to me anyway, this is how I perceive it. It's just my own view. Like you were picking up the phone to tell someone, you know, tell a parent that their kid at the moment is not good enough for this. Am I wrong to suggest that? Is that too harsh? I, I wouldn't. I'd never describe it as not good enough. I'd, I Again, it's, I think it's how you frame these things. I'd be explaining to him that at this current moment, right, at this snapshot in time, for the position he's playing, for the stage of development he's at, for the needs of the panel. Like, for instance, you could have a brilliant back, but he's a back and he's mm -hmm. not really confident in the forwards. And you might simply have to supplement the number of guys you have that can play in the forward half of the field. So it's not, it's not that we don't value him or it's not that we don't think he's a good player or he's going to be, but maybe he has next year to come. Maybe he's just up against a particularly tough set of guys in that position. Do you know, it might just be that a fella at 15 just isn't quite ready for the demands of it yet, but that he's a dinger and he's going to come good. Hmm. It's it's a snapshot. It's a snapshot. Yeah, yeah. And look, come here, I'm not for a second suggesting that that, how I describe it, was how you went and made those phone calls. But I'll put you this way, and it would be only my own perspective, like if, if I was a kid of 15 or 16 or 17, and I was probably a sensitive enough kid, and mommy comes in and tells me, look, you're for now you're not longer part of it. I think, and I can only speak for me, I probably feel not good enough. And, you know, the way I would react and always would have reacted would be to try and, I don't want to prove that fucker wrong. You know what I mean? 
Um, so that's why it's a difficult phone call. And that's kind of, I suppose, what, what I'm trying to bring to the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Oh, there is. Uh, don't that's good wrong, me. But, you know. No, no, no. But like, sure, I, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't think anyone enjoys it. And I remember mm. Brian Cody, I remember Brian Cody years ago being asked about that kind of thing. And he said he always found it more difficult to tell a fella he was off the panel than to tell a fella he was off the team. If you're on the panel, like you're still on the bus, you're 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 still in you're still in the thing, right? But if you're telling a fella that he's that he hasn't made the panel at this time, that's a bit more difficult. So I don't enjoy doing it. But I think if you approach it approach it honestly, and as I say to you, that people trust that you have integrity, that you're being clear, I generally don't encounter too many problems. I think you have approached it the right way, and I want to compliment John and say fair. Well, fair well, play, you know. I'm sure there's someone else would disagree with that. But like, as I say to you, if you're just, I think if you're doing your best and people realize you're doing your best, I think they'll forgive you a multitude. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, listen, fair play is all I can say. And the best, the best look again, I'll change conversation slightly, I suppose, while keeping it on the minors and that. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of games and stuff coming up, Mick, um, ahead of this particular encounter. What, what, are, what are the next few weeks actually looking like then? Um, well, look, all the way along before Christmas, you're talking about uh, kind of working at fairly unsocial hours and working around school teams and working around other commitments lads have to try and accommodate them. And then once it comes to Christmas, you're moving more towards being kind of pitch based and gym based and trying to strike a balance on that. And then once you're into February, you're really in season because you have opportunities to get uh, challenge games in with with uh, counties. We did something there, and I have to compliment um, the Carlo GA lads, Robert Sansom, on this one, is that we looked at developing um, a cup whereby, you see, we don't have a league, uh, a Leinster league like, like, like existed previously. So it's really your own lookout is getting games. And it's not always easy get games. You've got the travel aspect of it. You've got trying to develop relationships then with counties that you won't necessarily be in contact in. Like, there's no point in me asking Wicklow or Wexford for a game and vice versa. Uh, and you also want to try and get games that that's convenient. So we have a, a cup going on there between ourselves, Waterford and Fermanagh. So it's it's teams that wouldn't normally get to play each other in any sort of competitive situation. So those games are ongoing and we should have a final of that cup. I think it's called the Garda Cup. Uh, Peter McConnell involved and there's the new operations manager. Other than that, then you are playing games and something that we've tried to do as well in the last couple of years are home and away games. So, you know, if we played Tipperary away, which we did yesterday, they were very strong, were very good. They're coming up to us in a few weeks time and we'll play a return game and see what we've learned. See, can we rectify issues? See, see, can they maybe penetrate us better in different areas? That kind of thing. And managements generally are very good on that because we're all in the same boat. We're all just trying to improve teams, you know. And then it'll be proof of the pudding. Then will be twenty seventh of March. Yeah, I mean that's that's a very good idea. And look, while not having the league is possibly a disadvantage, it's also somewhat of an advantage because you can really dictate your own preparation to an extent and get those meaningful games that that you feel will add value to to the panel. Yeah, and and like we we'd we'd work closely with places like Knockbeg or uh, any school that's still in competition. You know, there I, I said this to you before about the selfishness thing when it comes to players. They're not my players or your players. They're players. And they belong to Knockbeg or CBS or Aerog or Ten Ryland or All Auckland or whoever, as much as they belong to anybody. And this idea that a fella's doing something in his club or in his school that gets him noticed, 
but but a fella a fella gets himself noticed then for, from doing well in his club or maybe his school team and i think then to be asked to kind of jettison that and knock it on the head for a county team i just don't think it's right especially at 16. like we should all be able to work together for the for, for what's best for those chaps that's certainly my approach on it you know agreed wholeheartedly mick i told you this would be 15 minutes 35 minutes yeah. here we are listen you've been very good with your time as always and i really do appreciate it and i apologize for holding you up not at all what a way around i think yeah not at all not at all but look we've we some great weeks ahead of us um with obviously carol unleash and all the league fixtures and both codes yourselves of course with the minors and we wish you all the very best luck and thanks again mick for having a chat with us here all right sound kevin yes great insight as always from our very own mick Yo on all things carlo versus leash and indeed his involvement with the minor footballers. We wish them the very best luck as well. Shout-outs to a few different people and places. Lots of Carlo representation in the Purcell Cup third-level finals the other day. Uh, Setu Carlo just came up short on the day to a very strong Galway side, but lots of representation there with Carlos Kira Kavanagh, Eve Sinnott, Amy Nolan, Shauna Sweeney and Helen Roach. And indeed, lots of Carlo players involved in that particular tournament. So that's a great sign going forward. Also a shout out to the Carroll Ladies footballers. They're sitting well in Division 4 of the National League. Very much in the mix for promotion. And they have a fixture this particular weekend against Wicklow to come away. I believe that one is on Sunday and it's at a quarter past three in Echelon Park in Ockram. So the very best look to all our teams this coming weekend. And a shout out once again to our sponsors for without this it wouldn't happen. Detail Men's or Carlo, Pauly Dunn Motors, Murray's Bar, Bala Murphy. PFT Travel, Ray Whelan Limited and Earth Spas. And again, we are seeking partnerships to keep this show on the road. So please send us a DM on social media at the Left Wing Back or email leftwingbackpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.